Welcome to the fifth episode of the ABC podcast, The Adult Book Club with Taja and Russell. On today's episode, we are focusing on The Boy in the Red Dress by Kristen Lambert. Spoilers are between the 55th minute and the one hour and 28 minute mark, so make sure you skip those if you want to read the book and come back and listen later. Uh, make sure you tune into the end where we have random recommendation as well as the grading system for the book and we talk about what is on the next podcast. In this episode, we do have a lot more personal stories and kind of stray from the book uh, more than normal. So hopefully you stick with us and you enjoy the conversation. So with that, let's hear it. Well, Taja and Russell, they both love reading books. Taja and Russell, they both love reading books. Well, what do you do when you share such love? Well, you start a club, you start a club, an adult book club, an adult book club, and a podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode five of ABC Adult Book Club. Uh, I am host number one, Russell McDougall, and that is host number two, Taja Hall. Hi, hi. It has been a month. Uh, so long. We have come to you guys, and uh, I'll just get right in front of it. I need to apologize for that. It has been my <laughs> fault. Taja has been ready to podcast every Friday uh, when we normally do it, and I was selfishly, busy. selfishly taking a vacation uh, over July 4th weekend, and then selfishly being the best man at my best friend's wedding last weekend. So uh, if you have Rude. any hate... You 11 followers on Twitter yeah. at mm-hmm. Adult Book Club 21, all one word, feel free to throw it at me. I can take it. I'm a big guy. So I would just love to apologize to you guys. I'm sorry we've been gone for so long. Uh, my wife even started making jokes that the podcast was dead. So, <gasps> Rude, uh, Amanda. You know, you think you know somebody and then they uh, start talking crap about your podcast that you do for free and make no money off of. And yep. the divorce papers are coming in. <laughs> are the divorce uh, stores open during the pandemic you know no longer pandemic we do have the delta variant but the divorce stores are open so feel free mm. if you've been waiting jump on out there get that divorce <laughs> it's been great <laughs> um love you so much she doesn't listen it's okay uh, <laughs> so it's, it's been a month uh tasha i know we've been talking before we started recording but i have held back a couple stories i know you I know i'm excited the story or two um do you want to go first or how do you want to do this? I didn't actually hold back any stories. My big things are I got new glasses. I got two new tattoos and my tripod dog needs to have um, TPL, like knee surgery on her remaining back leg. So that's what I've got going on in my life. Yeah, we could have spent five minutes on that. Taja does it in 15 seconds. Um, uh-huh. uh, stand up and show everyone your tattoos because we will put this on Insta. Look at that. And by Insta, I meant Twitter. Uh, they are my Dapper Dino duo. For those of you audibly listening, they are two T-Rexes, one on each arm. One has a top hat and a monocle, and the other has a bowler hat and a bow tie. And their names are Hamish and Conrad. <laughs> and they are very dapper. Um, and I love them. <laughs> and of course. Uh, well, great. So I'm glad you took 15 seconds. I will take the next 30 minutes. Um, so we have options for you. Uh, you can have the sad story, the terrifying story, or the story that I forgot that I hope I remember before this runs out. <laughs> okay. So since you forgot, I want to go 
the terrifying story first. Wonderful. Uh, so uh, my- Was it another bear? It was not. No, 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 oh. no. This was all human error. Um, oh. So my best friend got married, like I said, and I was helping with cleanup and all that. Uh, so I was very tired and going back and forth, driving some stuff here and there on the day after the wedding. And I was finally coming home and I was very excited and I was stopped at the stoplight and I was taking a left, not a big deal. Um, I took that left and somebody was already in that lane coming directly for me. Uh, I, I kid you not. Uh, they were going at least probably 50 miles per hour. Uh, I had to slam on my brakes so they would avoid me. And thankfully, the people behind me were paying attention because they also slammed on their brakes to avoid my back end. And oh I, I had to pull over and check the truck to see if they hit the front of it. That's how close it was. Did they not stop at all? They didn't they were, even. It wasn't even about them stopping. They were, no, but I mean, like after the fact. Oh, they, no, they like, just kept going. They just went right by me. Whoa. Again. So like full on red light running. Not just red light running. They were red light running from the opposite side of the road. So what? they were coming down the side of the road that I was turning onto. So they had like <gasps> swung around a median to avoid all the traffic that was backed up at that light and were coming down the side that I was turning onto. Oh my God. So in the wrong lane of traffic, they were yes. traveling in the wrong. What the fuck it was going on? Was terrifying. I have no idea what was going on, but I, I was. Were they like, outrunning the police? There were no like sirens or anything behind them. I have no idea. Wonder if they just robbed a bank. It was absolutely terrifying. Uh, That's and awful. I, like, and it happened super early in my drive home, so I had like an hour and a half oh, no. where I second every red light. I don't think I stopped shaking for like twenty minutes. It oh my was god, a nightmare. Um, Even little things like that get my heart racing like so bad. Like I almost had like a rabbit the other day or something and i'm like oh my god oh my god oh my god i almost said it so i can't even imagine feeling uh but yeah no it was uh i yeah i i don't know the last time i had a close call like that it's i don't know if i've ever had a close call like that holy like, crap yeah. i'm so glad that you didn't actually get hit that would be terrible and it was one of those things too where i could tell if i didn't slam on my brakes they would have just come right into my driver door like yeah and there's no way i was in like my body was so dehydrated and exhausted at that point it just would have given up it would have been like, yeah, oh. we're good. We've had a run. <laughs> oh my goodness. Were you seat belted? I was seat belted. Always good thing. Belted. Live free or die. I mean, you should still be seat belted, New Hampshire. I'm looking at you. That is uh, a great side story. When we were taking our bus across country when we were 18 years old, we Googled. We Googled <laughs> oh my goodness. We didn't have to Road to Price, there. everybody. Get on YouTube. Road to Price. We Googled what states you had to wear a seatbelt in. Uh, didn't have to wear a seatbelt in. And we were shocked to find out that 49 out of 50 states, you have to wear a seatbelt in. The only exception is New Hampshire, where we grew up. Bunch of dummies. Not, you do not have to wear a seatbelt if you're Bunch of dummies. 18. Uh, you also don't have to wear a motorcycle helmet. So, nope. Although there are more states that you don't have to wear a motorcycle oh, really? helmet. Just also, yeah, it's not just New Hampshire. There are definitely others. It, it, all doesn't make, it all doesn't make any sense. Here's your PSA yeah. of the day. Wear a seatbelt, wear a helmet. Like, and also wear a mask if you're not vaccinated. It's the same kind of thing. Like, get over it. I We're getting political here. We are getting too political. Wear your mask. Podcast about books, damn it. Yeah. Uh, but wear your seatbelt, for Christ's sakes. Uh, for real. I love, I love the people who are like, it wouldn't have saved my life. Yes, that, that may be true in certain in situations, but there are other situations where it will. Where it would. So uh, do it. So don't be ridiculous. And it doesn't hurt. Like, come on. Come on. 
now we're going to take that soapbox. We're going to put it away. Yeah, put it away. Okay, tell me your sad story. Am I, I, know, I, I, I don't remember. No, 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 no. This is just, okay. this is about being old. Um, I mean, you know, I cry at like everything. So. It's not that I watched, good story. I watched the movie The Ice Road with Liam Neeson and cried a lot. So I'd like to blame, I assume you're drinking wine and I'd like to blame that. I haven't watched The Ice Road, but as soon as you sent that the next day, I was like, maybe I'll watch The Ice Road. I I'm was drinking wine and um, even Barry got a little borderline, almost emotional. He didn't cry, obviously, but like there were moments where we were, yeah, it was good. Nice. <laughs> good. Good in quotation marks for everyone. Well, I say good because like it was... It wasn't like surprise Jumanji awesome. It was surprise like good, better than I thought it would be. <laughs> I had low expectations, sure. so <laughs> you should watch it. Shout out Liam Neeson. I guess yeah, I'll check it out. Um, <laughs> so my sad story it's 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 not a sad emotional story. It's sad that I'm getting old. Um, mm. So one of the one of the weeks we didn't podcast was because I was up at the beaches in Maine and. Um, I was retrieving a Frisbee on some rocks that one of my nephews threw up there. And I stepped off a rock onto the beach, flat-footed, nothing happened. It's not Sandy like beach, rocky sandy beach. beach. Perfectly sandy beach, okay. nothing wrong with it. I popped a ligament in my foot uh, and my foot exploded into a balloon uh, where I, I couldn't walk, like I could walk on it, walk on it with pain. But like I've, I've been going on like three mile walks every day and I had to stop walking on it for like a, uh, a week and a half Oh no! because of, because of that, because I stepped was, on a rock onto a beach. That's my sad story. That sucks. Are you all healed now? I am better. We had a quick scare at the wedding. So like the, the other reason was the wedding was coming up. So I wanted to dance. So okay. I made sure I stayed off oh, it. I iced good. it. I ibuprofen all the good yeah. stuff. Um, so I made sure to do that. Uh, so I was able to dance at the wedding. There was an issue early on where I felt like another click. My, my foot, are, my feet are screwed up anyway. Uh, Dude, your so whole I, body is screwed up. Like, let's not just limit it to feet. <laughs> that hurts, but is accurate. Um, so uh, I was a little worried, but thankfully it, it seems okay. Uh, it, the swelling has gone down. I've been told Great. by my medical professional friend that if it's well, oh. I should get it checked out. Okay. All right. Well, so we've got a lot of walking to do on our vacation. So That's true. I'm resting it. Day. Don't worry. I did okay. take my first walk in a week and a half last yesterday. How'd you uh, do? I didn't make it all the way. I was close. Oh, I was close. Okay. And I was covered in sweat. I mean, it's like. Oh, I mean, it's disgusting. Incredibly humid here. 80% uh, humidity. Nobody yeah. needs that. But it's yeah. not raining. It's thinking about raining in, in New England. Yeah all of July so yeah well and this isn't a story of something that happened to me but um Russell and I and our partners are going to go on vacation together in the Finger Lakes and I'm so excited because basically Russell and I are the only ones that are going to drink because we're, neither of our partners are really into that yeah we're going to go on our own personal wine tour with two DDs so I think yeah that's it's so nice to have two DDs <laughs> how lovely Love you guys so much. Neither one of you listens. Love you. Yeah. Nobody listens. I mean, like they're in the house with us, but. Oh, Amanda left. Junior oh, very, very sleeping. So <laughs> it's fine. That's okay. It's um, a warm day. It's 
a warm day. Yeah, I was trying to stall to give you more time to think. I of can't think story. of it. Like, I had that's such... very that's a very Taj move right there. To Great. <laughs> I know, and like I even said it before we started talking. I was like, okay, here's the three stories. Yeah, I was all amped up. You know, if you think yeah. of it during at any point during this podcast, we were talking about the book. I want you to hit pause on the book tell me this third story um so this this wasn't it but i will tell this story too um so i have this little man bun it's adorable man bun. and uh at the wedding i got a haircut you're welcome jay um for the wedding to look a little bit more clean uh but i did is this like- your first haircut it was From, my first like, haircut since i don't i don't know when at least since 2020 the year 2020 oh I, I don't even think I got one in 2020 you didn't oh well, I guess that was me I got mine cut like all off in February and then COVID happened and I was like well I guess it's just what it is Good timing. uh no I, I I had like waited I I don't know I look back at some old pictures from like December that year and my hair was pretty oh not yeah. I mean, long for it so anyway right I got a cut because I was I was gonna wear it down and then it didn't work out. So I just put it up into a man bun so I didn't have to worry about it, but I didn't really know what I was doing. This is my first time with this hairstyle. Uh, so tale of two friends, moms that were at the wedding. Uh, <laughs> two friends, moms. Sully, Sully's friend, Sully's mom. Yeah, Sully's uh, mom. As soon as she saw me, she has this very noticeable laugh, squeal thing. She's like, ah! like it's so <laughs> adorable um and I heard that and I look over and she's pointing at me and then pointing at my hair like, yes yes um and then my other friend Roy uh his mom when I met her and hugged her and everything she was like I hate man buns and oh no she's like, she's like I love you but I don't like what you're doing and I was like she's right. wrong well, she's probably right. It's okay. Uh, shout out. I disagree. Man buns are great. Some people can pull them off. Some people can't. I think I can. I think you do fine. Yeah. I think I can. Yes. Yeah. Totally. That's why she's wrong. That's why. She, I mean, you're, you're correct that some people can't do man buns. You're not one of those people. So she needs to just zip it. We'll take it. This was uh, the part of the podcast called Trolling for Compliments and Taja fell for it. Uh, <laughs> <Boom>. <laughs> Um, if I think of the other story, I'll let you guys know at some point. Okay. I, I don't know if it will happen or not, but we're going to move on with business of the podcast. And the business of the podcast is Taja, along with everybody else who's listening, was surprised last episode as we had our own theme song. It was so great. I couldn't walk this smile off my face. It was written awesome. by friend of the program, Sully, uh, who is a musician. Uh, and yeah, no, it worked out really well because... I had worked on, there is a very light amount of editing that goes into this, but I always re-listen to the podcast to make sure I especially didn't sound like an idiot. Um, so I didn't like get it complete to, to posting that night that I did that. And that night, Sully sent me that uh, theme song. And I was like, this is serendipitous. So, he didn't even tell me about it. It was like a total surprise. I did not. I, I played it for Amanda. And she agreed that it was good. So I knew I wasn't just being biased because I am biased yep. to all things Sully. Yep. Um, so I played it for her. She said it was good. Great. I added it to the show. We officially have a theme song. Super pumped uh, mm-hmm. that that happened for us. I think us. that's going to make us like, we're going we're gonna to shoot up in the list of uh, I, nah, I think more so. people will listen. Obviously, everyone is going to listen to us. Obviously. Uh, I already screwed up and I forgot to mention the book we're going to focus on today. 
the book is The Boy in the Red Dress uh, by Kristen Lambert. Uh, oh, yours is like the correct direction. My video is. It's true. My video is backwards. Um, I don't know why I did that. I think it makes sense, but it doesn't. Uh, God, how do I do that? It's a setting. So uh, The Boy in the Red Dress by Kristen Lambert is the focus of today's podcast. Um, we will be jumping into that shortly. Before we do, two last things. Um, I just wanted to make sure once again, if you're not following us on Twitter, find us on Twitter. We are at Adult Book Club 21. It's all one word, Adult Book Club 21. Um, I did look into changing it to something easier like ABC Pod. Uh, I because we totally got some weird like hey, porno people. Might be a listener. Might be a listener. But That's we, okay. Hi, weird porno people. That's not what we do here. We did an erotic novelist did reach out to us to cover one of their books. Um, and Which, like, I do read NC Seventeen fan fiction, so like, I could probably do that, but not really. Not really. Hi, Dad. You listen to this podcast. I mean, this is, That'd this be is, weird. This is what we talked about. I think in episode two, like, people will misunderstand the point of this. Yes podcast it was literally just something stupid i thought abc sounded cool and then made words to go with it uh, and here we are <laughs> you're welcome uh but yeah adult bookcast adult book club 21 on twitter let us know your listener and we'll shout you out uh which brings yes. us to our shout out of the week <laughs> or i guess the month because russell takes too much time off but anyway this shout out goes out to our friend nern hey nern hi nern uh, she was very excited for episode three because she had already read Shadow and Bone. So she was oh, able yeah. to listen to the show completely. Uh, so shout out, Nern. Uh, shout You're out the best, all. Nern. Holla at your squirrel. What? You are the best. That's a long story. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> Don't worry about it. I will actually see you tomorrow. And maybe I'll hey. get this podcast around so you can listen to this on your way home. We'll see. I have our- Give her a hug for me. <laughs> I will do that easy enough. Um, moving on. Uh, so the again, as I just mentioned, literally probably a minute ago, the book of the week uh, or the bye week is The Boy in the Red Dress by Kristen Lambert. Um, this is a YA novel. Uh, it is a debut novel uh, by her. And did you want to read the synopsis? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Taja's going to tell you all about it. Okay. New Year's Eve, 1929. Millie is running the show at the Cloak and Dagger, a swing speakeasy in the French Quarter, while her aunt is out of town. The New Year is just around the corner and all of New Orleans is out to celebrate. But even wealthy partiers' diamond earrings can't outshine the real star of the night, the boy in the red dress. Marion is the club's star performer and his fans are legion, if mostly underground. When a young socialite wielding a photograph of Marion starts asking questions, Millie wonders if she's just another fan. But then her body is found crumpled in the courtyard, dead from an apparent fall off the club's balcony, and all signs point to Marion as the murder. murderer. Millie knows he's innocent, but local detectives aren't so easily convinced. As she chases clues that lead to cemeteries and dead ends, Millie's attention is divided between the rye and beautiful Olive, a waitress at the Cloak and Dagger, and Benny, the charming bootlegger who's offered to help her solve the case. The clock is ticking for the fugitive Marion, but the truth of who the killer is might be closer than Millie thinks. I will say, uh, when we decided, you decided, Taja, last episode, to read the book synopsis rather than typing it up ourselves, that was a genius. So much better. Yeah. So yeah. much, more so precise, much better. Makes sense. They don't give anything away. 
no like when we did the outline for the shadow and bone episode i was like i'm gonna pack this stuff out and i was like this is really hard how do these book jacket people do it <laughs> it's like it's their job or something it's crazy mm-hmm. um so yeah, so that's the quick synopsis from the book itself. Uh, before we jump into it, I wanted to just talk about setting a little bit. Um, so this does take place in New Orleans, 1929. Not that I expected you ever to be there, but uh, in that in time period. In 1929. In 1929, unless you're a lot older than you look. Uh, I'm traveling. Have you ever been to New Orleans or have you ever had an experience with a speakeasy? Those are kind of a coming back thing, even though they're not quite obviously what they used to be. First question, yes, but I was in New Orleans for like a hot second. We did our, um, my husband and I did a road trip and like our first stop was in New Orleans, but we were there for like, we stayed in an Airbnb in this guy's house. It was great and he was fantastic, but we couldn't sleep because we live in the country and we were like in New Orleans and it was loud and we got up, both of us woke up at like five and we're like, okay, let's just leave. So anyway- we didn't get to experience much. I've certainly never been to the French Quarter. Um, it is the place I'd love to visit, though. Um, Did you do so, anything at night, or were you? Well, so we got there like in the late afternoon. We went to dinner, and then we went to bed, and then we okay. woke up really early and left. So, like, it was. I don't want to say that I've actually been to New Orleans because, like, like, that's you've had a cup there. of coffee in New Orleans. Yeah, I mean, we had a dinner and a sleep in New Orleans, <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. Um, I would love to go to the French Quarter, though. I would love to, to witness a Mardi Gras situation in New Orleans. Um, as to the second question, I have not been to a speakeasy, though that would also be super cool because, as we've mentioned before, like that whole prohibition, like 20s thing is my jam, even if it's like a coming back. I mean, we're in the 20s again. Sure. So, you know. They're totally making a comeback. Yeah. Um, I have done both of these things. Uh, Amanda and I love to travel for Thanksgiving. Um, it started off as a thing we did with friends. Um, and some years, friends come with us. And some years, we go by ourselves. So uh, one year that we went by ourselves, we went down to New Orleans for Thanksgiving, um, which was super cool. We stayed in the French Quarter uh, at this wonderful old school hotel. Uh, we had the windows open the whole time. And there, one of the better nights we had was there was just jazz. There was always music coming up through the window, around like the second or third floor. But yeah. one night it sounded really close, and it turns out there was this great brass band playing in the bar of the hotel. Oh, that's so cool! So we went down there and just I had a couple. I think she might have still been drinking at the time, so I think we both had a couple <laughs> drinks um, and just kind of really enjoyed this brass band that would play their own songs and then they play brass covers oh, of pop. That's songs. awesome! Uh, I love that. It was a lot of fun. Um, the only sad thing was Bourbon Street was under repair. So it was oh. like not, we didn't get as, that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It was kind of more disjointed as you're trying to like picture anytime you go to New York City, there's always construction. Oh, yeah. like, it just didn't really fit with, it, it didn't fit into that kind yeah. of feeling that I'm sure you normally get there. But we did find a couple of cool bars um, nice. and, ha- and had a nice time. We were there for, I think, three nights. So. Mm. Great time. A little bit, a little bit longer than we were there. I'd love to go back if you'd like to have more than a cup of coffee. I'm sure we can. Yeah, down there. Yeah, I know Barry has been. um, His brother's. Yes, when Barry was dead. (laughs) Yeah, I was really worried that he'd come back with a face tattoo. So, like, that was 
my experience yeah. vicariously vicariously through his brother's yeah. bachelor party yeah yeah um antics for, ensued for sure and what antics ensued for yes. sure um that's i thought you said and the zoo which is just <laughs> Uh, a man and I love zoos, so we went to the New Orleans Zoo. We had to take a taxi because it was away from staying. And the woman was like, "Oh, it's nice that you're going to the zoo. Normally, people go with their families." We're like, oh, "Okay," <laughs> just an awkward statement. But yeah, anyway, you must have a child to visit the zoo. You can't enjoy these zebras. So, uh, as for a speakeasy, uh, another year we went to Colorado, and we did go to a speakeasy that a man oh, found in Colorado, and it was super not speakeasy-ish. So it was a, it was a quote unquote bookstore and their shelves maybe had like 20 books. Uh, Oh, that's so lame. Like Like, your house is a better speakeasy. It was, it was quite obvious that it was a speakeasy. (laughs) Um, You like had to make a reservation. So that took away from part of it. And you go in and you like say something, you you say like a password to the the person at the cash register and they like, use a phone to like tell them that you're there and they're like, okay, it's going to be 10 minutes or whatever. And then there's a separate door that opens to the bar next door. So you can wait at the bar while you're waiting to go into the speakeasy. So not quite, tracks. Yeah. not quite that cool, but I will say that. Was the speakeasy an actual bar? Was it a restaurant? Uh, it was like a bar that did um, mostly drinks, but also they had like apps, but they had okay. really cool um, drinks based off of movies and stuff it was like oh. a play, um ah man uh where like inflicts memories what is that like nostalgic it was a very oh, nostalgic yeah. bar uh okay. so like i think amanda had a drink that was called a treyu you know oh. uh and oh. i forget what i had but it was one of those places from where- the never ending story <laughs> so that's how you're supposed to say it guys it everyone knows that that's how it goes um so like I, and that's one of those places where they have drinks with like eggs, egg whites in them and stuff like that. Yeah. But also we had one because I feel like if you're going to drink something like that, it's at a place like that. Like, sure. They, they but how was it? Doing. It was fine. It, like, was it? It, it wasn't. You didn't get the salmonella? No. If, if you didn't know, you didn't know. Yeah. That's you know, true. If, if somebody just handed it to me, I would have drank it. Wouldn't have been like, well, there's raw sure. egg in here. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so yeah, we did that. And then actually this last weekend at the wedding, we heard about this place uh, in Concord, New Hampshire, shout out, that uh, was a speakeasy. That's a barbershop. And oh, that's cool. There, it, was, it was better set up. So you go in there and there's just a barber chair and a bunch. It looks like a barbershop, very small. And then there's this puzzle, uh, like a cl- uh, riddle on the wall. Cool, that's very You have to pick up the phone, answer the riddle, uh, and you smile into a mirror. And the mirror is a two-way mirror. And oh that, my goodness. that mirror opens into a door where they let you in. That's cool. Uh, so that seemed really cool. And then we had a party of six and we didn't make reservations. And they were like, yeah, we can't say you can't you. Come in. We tried. Twice. Oh. We tried twice. Oh. It looked like such a cool vibe, uh, but it, it didn't work out. So that's too bad. Fun. But that is a cool concept. Yeah, it was super neat. And I like that they're coming back. I think that's a fun way to make the night of drinking a little bit more entertaining. Yeah, for sure. Um, so... That was a long talk about just speakeasies and <laughs> sure. But uh, getting back to the book, this is something that really jumped out at me. And I remember telling Amanda this because I was reading it while we were on vacation. And it's not much of a spoiler because it happened super early. The murder 
of uh, Araminthea. Is that how you said it? Araminthea? Yeah, Araminthea is Araminthea. how I said it. But... So I like, I like her nickname better as Minty. Minty, yeah. Very easy to say. So the murder of Minty happened in the book super early. Um, and I was wondering if that surprised you at all. Um, and, and for me, I, like I said, I was talking to Amanda and I just remember thinking like, there's probably like 250, 300 pages left of this quote unquote investigation that I was like, what? Like that seems really fast for me. So it didn't seem fast to me. I think probably because I like watch a lot of murder mystery, murder mystery things. And I will liken it to Miss Fisher's because like in the, I'm, I just watched an episode of Miss Fisher's Modern Murder Mysteries, which is a 60s thing. It's actually really cool. Anyway, aside, you should watch it. It's on Acorn. Anyway, um, the people usually die like before the credits or not before the credits, before like the opening like sequence, you know, like they have to, like we've talked about before, like the hook, you know, you got to bring people into the book and I think if you had the, to me, the a murder mystery should be mostly about the investigation. So it didn't surprise me that it was early. Um, I think that, yeah, I, did, I don't, I guess I'd say, no, I was not surprised because I'm used to like it being the, the hook. Yeah, I, I guess like if I probably tried to remember more to like the times where my aunt and uncle used to make me watch Murder, She Wrote again. Shout, yes. shout out, Nern. Shout out, Nern. Um, <laughs> like that, that probably something very similar happened. Like I, I read a lot more like mystery thrillers. Yes. Now. Yes, um, where I can see why you would think which it was are early. set up yeah. differently uh, for sure. So it definitely yeah. took me by uh, surprise. Um, but I will say that, like, again, Amanda immediately was like, the whole point of this is the investigation. And I was like, yeah. oh, <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. That makes sense. Um, but it makes sense, like, from your perspective, if you're used to reading, like, thrillers like that, I feel like it's a different, not genre per se, but I feel like the layout will be different and I feel like half the time you don't even know if the person's dead or not yet and most of the time they are but it's like a lot later in the book they're like oh and by the way they're dead and you're like ah not me again (laughs) like I should be better at this I no I feel like this definitely followed the like usually with like a Miss Fisher's or like I'm gonna reference a lot of acorn shows right now but like Whitstable Pearl shout out Australia acorn what um and England they're very like anyway yeah they do the Whitstable Pearl one is from England but in any case like somebody dies typically the main character or the aka the detective is like somehow related to them or finds the body which like if it were me I'd be wondering like why murder follows me everywhere like obviously then you'd have no show but sometimes it feels very unrealistic. That actually is something I'll say for this is like, unless she's gonna be, uh, turn herself into a detective, I feel like hopefully murder won't fall on Millie around. Hopefully this will be the only thing she has to deal with like that and. I will say, I mean, maybe it turns into a Cabot Cove, but it seems like murder is all around. Shout out. Murder She Wrote. I had to look that up. I'll I'll nice. laugh at my feet. Like, what was the town of Murder She Wrote? It was Capitol. Oh, did not play that off smoothly. I mean, three beers I've already had. Uh, so 
<laughs> Going further into this kind of the setting, uh, when we spoke about Addie LaRue, uh, which was episode two of ABC Pod, obviously you've already listened to that. Thanks for sticking. Obviously. Um, we talked about kind of where we thought we would fit in if we found a place in the past. And you uh, said that the 20s would kind of be your jam with how you dress and how you kind of like feel. Uh, so I was wondering with that in mind, as you were reading this book, did you think that the 20s would still be your jam? Do you think you would fit in uh, at the Cloak and Dagger, which was the speakeasy that they, uh, where the book took place? So I feel like for sure at the Cloak and Dagger, like I really appreciate the um, open-mindedness of the Cloak and Dagger. Um, I did feel like, and granted, I say the 20s is my jam, but like also, I don't know, like, well, the whole, I don't want to say feminism, but just like, I appreciate that most of the things that I've read or watched or whatever, even Miss Fisher's, I mean, Miss Fisher's was a book series to begin with anyway, but like, and that takes place in Australia versus the US where like, obviously things are a titch different in terms of prohibition um, and all of that sort of social stuff happening. Um, but I appreciate that um, both in Miss Fisher's and like the whole feminism, like she's she's very sure of herself and all the people at the Folk and Dagger are very sure of themselves. I think, um, I would like to think I would fit in well with them um, for sure from like a fashion standpoint. Sorry for the crinkling. Barry's getting a bowl of cereal <laughs> very loudly. <laughs> Enjoy that, listeners. You're welcome. Bowl of life. That is the ASMR of cereal. Yes, yeah. of this ABC podcast. Good times. Um, in any case, I think yes, but would be my answer like a little bit I'd be worried about being like a you know a woman in that time frame um in any case but I think that um Cook and Dagger like this book is definitely um speaks to them pretty bamf aspect of of ladies um so yeah I feel like that was a kind of weird answer I got distracted by cereal yeah it happens you know you gotta look out for those lucky charms um my answer was not that I would love being in the 20s, but I would say um, just the idea of the speakeasy. I think it's like anything. We all kind of get more excited about something when there's some danger involved. Sure. Um, and knowing myself, like I, I enjoy drinking. So I can just assume that if I was around in the 20s, I would well, be, you'd be at a speakeasy. For sure. Speakeasies for sure. Trying to yeah. fill that. Uh, situation um another thing about the cloak and dagger which was interesting was these uh these people from all different walks and of life and areas kind of came together to form this community in that speakeasy and kind of as you're reading it you you see the different uh relationships and how these people have uh come to kind of build this into your home into their home um, and I was wondering, like, what's the importance to you of the community that you've created around yourself? I think we all do this, um, where we build up this kind of second family that we chose that we build around ourselves that forms this community that we belong to stronger. Uh, 
and and then with the book and you see how far Millie goes to fight for Marion's freedom and innocence I was wondering thinking of that community like how far are you willing to go to them and maybe what's that point where like okay maybe maybe this is far enough (laughs) wow that's like heavy um I think that our like weird family which is like our group of chosen chosen family um is something that's kind of rare and super special I think very much like the cook and dagger crew um granted it's not like a workplace environment so it's a little different but like um the people that we have amassed it's a pretty big group I think to have it be so tight-knit um what are we strong like 15 20 17 I don't even know 17 okay I was a few outliers yeah um so I feel like that is something that is rare enough to not take for granted. I feel like every time we talk to outsiders about things that we do with the weird family or um, you know whatever else, people are kind of amazed that it exists, not because of in and of itself that it's strange or something, but just that like expressing how lucky we are to have found such a large group of people that are like a family and I think that that's not as common as we might expect because we're so used to it I mean it's been what like 15 years that we've all been together or maybe 14 uh anyway this Halloween will be 14 okay so like it's a good chunk of our lives that we've been family um And so I think there's probably not much I wouldn't do for them. I probably wouldn't murder anybody for you, Russell. (laughs) I know that's probably what you're going to ask next. But um, I mean, I think too, like on the other hand, all of us are very important to each other, but I think we're all relatively self-sufficient. Like, I don't think that we, we probably don't call on each other as much as we could or maybe should. Um, and I'm not sure if that's a good or a bad thing, but like, you get what I mean? Like, there's an independence to it. There's an independence. Yeah, to yeah. It. yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, and we all don't, not all of us live in the same place. Um, I mean, some live closer to others than others, but that hasn't stopped us from being close knit. And I think that that's important. I mean, like, it's not as though all of us are in everybody's daily lives yeah. either, but. I don't know. I mean, I guess I'd say I'm not sure if I know if the cloak and dagger people, if you could argue they're closer or not than us, but I feel like if it's not a work thing, or you know what I mean? Like it's not as the work thing, but I feel like their obligation to each other is different than ours. I feel like they have a shared secret and, uh, you know, we have shared secrets, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, not everything is a secret, but you know, there's those, those, those links that tie you together. Um, and, you know, depending on what it is, forms a stronger bond. Um, yeah. I would say I've definitely been lucky enough to have this uh, in a couple different situations. Like my yeah. the friends that I grew up with, the idiots, as I affectionately call them, um, you know, we've remained close. And, you know, again, Jay, the guy that I just was best man at his wedding, we've been friends for 24 going on 25 years. Um, 
so we have that. And then I was lucky enough to come into the weird family through Amanda uh, and eventually earn my way uh, into mm-hmm. the, the you ranks. There. Yeah. It took like a year, maybe. Uh, it? it was different back then. It was a very competitive thing. You had to fill out word puzzles and stuff. It was very confusing. <laughs> uh, but I would say like with any, either of those groups, I would do anything to help a friend uh and there's only a couple people maybe that i'd be like "Ah, maybe you did murder them (laughs) i could see you doing the murder part for sure okay that's valid yeah and are we talking (laughs) like like alter egos like because susie and raul are wild cards i'm just saying it's still a part of them so yeah that's true that's true that does it does leaves a layer out in you where you're like well I don't know who's operating that day. It's a little murder. <laughs> Not a big deal, but you can tell me. And also it's a big deal. Oh. Uh, so just saying, if you don't commit murder, feel free to come to Tajer and I. Uh, yeah. Because we'd, pro- we'd set the bar high. Yes. Aside from we would completely trust you for the most part. Maybe. Uh, but yeah, no, it is definitely not something I take for granted. The fact that we have those relationships. Um, And it's one of those, it's like anything like, yeah, we're not there for the day to day, but we're always there for big things. And we try to get together frequently enough that like, we're still a big part of each other's lives. So, and I think that's part of just growing up, honestly. Like, yeah, I I think- People like having babies and like doing real adult things. That's gross. Buying houses. Buying houses. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> Where I think this one is going to be full of sidetracks, so please stick with us. Uh, <laughs> are, like covering topics based on the book, uh, but I will say that there is going to be some jumping around. Um, yeah. Getting back to the book, uh, something that I've seen online with this a lot, um, and in the reviews, and it's quite obvious as soon as you start reading it. Uh, this novel is very heavy in the LGBTQ plus characters. Um, Millie, who's the protagonist, is a bisexual woman. She's dealing with her feelings for um, the for the bartender Olive, or sorry, the waitress Olive, um, and the bootlegger Benny. Um, her best friend Marion is the boy in the red dress, uh, who is a gay man who performs in drag. Um, her aunt Cal, that she lives with, is in a committed lesbian relationship that they bring out uh, at different points in the book. Now. Uh, we touched on this a little bit when we talked about V.E. Schwab's writing, because she's also very uh, gender fluid and, and promotes other voices. Um, but I'd like to just discuss briefly or whatever, how, how we go or how you go about finding these books with these voices, uh, because I feel like this is something that's a little bit newer. And, it, and it's not just with the LGBTQ, I feel like with female voices and we've seen the rise of the strong female character and things like that and like that's my jam (laughs) yeah also known as the books tasha reads uh but i I just want to like discuss how you've gone about finding that if it was a conscious decision or um you know your growth into this kind of reading i would say i guess um i can't say that it was necessarily a conscious decision i think that i just sort of gravitate towards those types of things like that just is what interests me 
Um, like for example, my Netflix suggestions, they are like, there's a whole category of shows and movies with the strong female lead. Like, yes, Netflix, that is what I would like to watch. Thank you for knowing me so well. Um, but no, I don't, I don't think that I like search out, um, books or authors that have these voices more in their writing. I will say, I find that the more it tends to be more female authors that write these characters. And I could be wrong about that. I have not done any statistical studies, <laughs> um, but from what I like, I just feel like that's such a more lady thing to do is to write about um, characters with, uh, different isn't the right word as we discussed before, but just like maybe from a perspective that's not theirs and not standard and I I appreciate those voices I think that that's as a heterosexual female like I like to have I like to hear other people's viewpoints and I think like we discussed earlier um I love the fact that this is so such a heavy thing in this YA book because I think that that's a really nice thing to have for kids to read I mean like you know, a kid who's like curious picks up a book that looks cool. And then I don't know, like, do you know where I'm going with this? I just, it me good, like inclusivity vibes. <laughs> yeah. And I like that the title of the book kind of gives you an idea uh, of, of that too, right? Like you don't pick up a book called The Boy in the Red Dress and think that it's, um, I mean, you, you don't necessarily point to the, to that, but you also are kind of maybe, okay, maybe this is a book of more inclus inclusivity. Um, so I do appreciate that. I mean, one thing I saw, I think it went viral online recently was there was um, in this neighborhood that is, is pretty strictly Republican or something like that. Somebody was flying a rainbow flag and a child, like a, a young kid wrote this beautiful little note saying like, hey, like I am, you know, uh, I, I am at least by and like I appreciate knowing that there's somebody in this very strict neighborhood that I can see as an ally and I think that's important like that especially for for younger kids and even for us like there's still people from the way we were raised that um, struggle with things like this where we're you know not thinking that you know they can be accepted or anything like that and I think it's important that we get that message out that you know, you are accepting and you're just people like this is like, this is going to shock maybe our 19 listeners, but this is a very <laughs> liberal podcast when it comes to believing and people can just be people. And uh, every once in a while, when I need to cry, I watch um, Lin-Manuel Miranda did a, uh, well, it's a Tony speech, but you can find it on YouTube and he just like says love is love is love is love is love and seriously whenever I need to cry I just watch that <laughs> and, and and just let it out um but I, I think I think that's important to have that kind of um representation, representation. in something that they can pick up and this was like it was like twelve dollars like that's one crazy thing I've been looking at with the books we've been exchanging and yeah. buying in different places like some of these are older books books used to be like five dollars yeah. Okay. I don't know why books have to be $30 these days. 
It's like, crazy. It used to be you could buy an action figure or you could buy a book. And I think right? we need to bring that back. And I brought the you can buy a book back out. Yeah. Like it just, it was one of those things, but I was very impressed. I bought this at a local bookstore. It was only $12, like, which isn't the market price. That no, it's like 19 bucks, eighteen yeah. ninety nine. I just looked so, up the cover. So shout curious. out the book shop that right. I bought it at. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I got mine for like only $8. I think that's important. It used to be a library book. Which is adorable as hell. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say, getting back to the question, for me, I realized, because like I got back into reading like four years ago now, I think it was, I realized I hadn't picked up a book in probably five years. And I used to read a lot when I was a kid. So that was scary for me. So I, I wanted to start reading more. And I realized the books I was picking up, and this isn't offense to them, but it was Feist and Brooks and Tolkien and, you know, a bunch of just white old men writing books. And I realized that like, and we live in fan, or I live in fantasy for the most part. That's, that's the genre I appreciate. But I realized that there was a lot of voices out there that I wasn't reading. And I will admit when I started reading V.E. Schwab, I assumed it was V for Victor or, you know, whatever. That's so funny. Uh, and then when I found out it was Victoria, I was like, holy shit, like, I'm trying to find books by women and I'm reading 10 of them right now, you know, it's. So did that, did that like change how you were receiving the book? Like how you were reading it at Not all? at all. Uh, it changed how I picked out books. So I started okay. hunting them. So that yeah. book, the book we don't mention. Yeah. Yeah. I picked that up because it was written by a female. Okay. And I read the back and I was like, okay, that seems, that seems interesting. Let's give it a chance. And like, that's not to say they're all that level, but uh, that was a reason why I picked that book up. But uh, the series you're reading now that we're jumping ahead, um, <laughs> that we're jumping ahead to uh, Robin Hobb, that Robin Hobb. Yeah. You told me about that one that yeah. you like thought it was a dude, right? Yeah. So that was another one that I was like, that's crazy. Um, so, so was there something about their writing that made you think that or it was just the name not being obviously feminine? No, it was more, I was just looking at, um, it, it was before I was really doing more research on the books. So like I would just go to the store and, and know the authors that I knew, if that made sense. I'd be like, okay, yeah. I'm going to pick up this guy, this guy, this guy. Yeah. So I started trying to research it beforehand. So oh, okay. uh, with Robin Hobb, I, again, two shout outs for Lin-Manuel Miranda, but I picked it up because he had a quote <laughs> on the back of the book and it said, this is the best series I ever read. So, um, but I do think those things are becoming more prevalent um, and with, with voices and I, stuff. Well, I also wanted to circle back to something you said before about um, like being an ally. And I think that that has a lot of merit because like I like I said I'm a heterosexual woman but like it's important to me to be seen by others as an ally like even right. if there are people that I don't know like I live in the boonies first of all I live on like a dead-end road but I also live in like rural Vermont which is pretty heavily Republican so like we have a flag and our on our porch that says like love is love science is real all that stuff I have a Black Lives Matter sign outside my house I think I'm the only house in our neighborhood which is like a bunch of dead-end roads that's like that but it is important for me not that people are driving by my house but that like I show that outwardly sure that's important to me and I and I hope other people 
recognize that. And like, we're not asking for a pat on the back. I'm sure you're not. No, not at all. You just want people to know that. that I'm somebody you can talk to if like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which, which I think is, is important. And I, and that's, I mean, that's 2020 at this point, whatever. Like I I think people just need to know that there's people there to talk to them. Uh, Well, and and that's why I think like you had said that this book is like, it's really great to have that representation in a YA thing because I think like so often for kids, um, it's possible that they're in environments where there either is no representation or they're getting um, a negative spin on stuff. So like they might be really concerned that they're feeling like maybe they like somebody of the same gender. You get what I'm saying? Like it's important for them to recognize themselves in characters. And, and again, like we're both mid thirties, like when we were yeah. growing up, that was not a thing. No, that, that was still a thing where maybe that was felt to be strange or whatever. And so I think that's a good sign of us growing. And I, and I think as our generation gets older, that acceptance will grow as well. Like yeah. no to the grandparents out there, but I feel like as, as we push further on and they push out, yeah, yeah, that, that acceptance is going to be there. Well, and I appreciate too, that in this book, they touched on um so Marion just like a little bit of the backstory you find out about him because he doesn't share much about his past is that his family like sent him to an insane asylum presumably because he's gay yeah which like I have never understood the whole not that it was like a religious insane asylum but like pray the gay way is not a thing that works like to to treat it as a mental disorder I think is very um, indicative of the time frame that the book is set in. And I appreciate that, like, they touched on that. Yeah. Um, and that, like, everybody in the Cloak and Dagger, like, it kind of, it a little bit surprised me that he hadn't shared that part of his past with them um, because they are essentially his chosen family. And, I mean, his relationship with Millie is supposed to be so close. And I get wanting to, like, keep some things to yourself and of course like there's probably the aspect of like not knowing how somebody's going to react to this really heavy thing you're going to tell them but like if anybody's going to understand it's going to be all of those people yeah and uh, I get the other side of it too where like you don't it's a different time back then you know obviously mental health is another one that uh, our our generation is really focusing on and focusing on you know, putting a positive light on it and, and telling people that it's okay to need help. So yeah. I, I, I get that side of it too. And like, yeah, it is, it is different where it's like, oh, he's my best friend, but I've known him for two years or whatever. Oh, right. you know, like that, um, that's something that's always baffled me. And like, yeah. um, you know, again, my friends I grew up with in elementary school and then people go to college and like, this is my best friend. Like how long you know <laughs> this semester? It's like, okay. Like, I don't think that would be what you think yeah. it means. I think you're confused, <laughs> but hey, have some more. <laughs> um, but anyway, just, just to wrap that up, uh, before we jump into spoilers, like I do think it's important that there's more of these books being made just yeah. from, from every viewpoint. It's, it's no longer yeah. just dominated by a certain person or a certain type of person. Like it's good to see that there are books out there um, that are- And to have them be like the protagonist and not just like supporting a side character. character. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a big deal. Yeah. Um, was there anything else you wanted to touch on before we went to spoilers? Um, I don't think so. Okay. So with that, we're going to jump into spoilers. 
Okay, so this is the part of the podcast where if you haven't read the book and you want to read the book, we're delaying for five seconds. Ah, delay, delay, delay. Because we're going into spoilers. So that is your warning. Uh, we are heading into spoilers now. Remember to join back up with the conversation uh, wherever I told you to at the beginning of this. So <laughs> with spoilers, uh, Millie continues her investigation to try and prove Marion is not the murderer while he hides out in the apartment she shares with her aunt and newly returned mother. Both have close calls in the book, not just with the police, Millie actually does get arrested, but also with the club being broken into and vandalized. Millie believes she is getting close to finding the truth when a bunch of drawings are found that lead to a mystery man that Minty was seeing in a hotel you could rent by the hour. This leads her into a standoff with her friend and potential love interest, Benny, who admits to seeing Minty, but not killing her. Trusting Benny, they continue to look for the murder and figure it out based on a clue in Minty's diary, only to have her come face to face with them as one of Minty's friends, Symphony, who takes matters into her own hands and goes after Marion with a gun. This leads to a showdown where everyone brought a knife to a gunfight except the murderer. And through different acts of bravery, the friends managed to overtake Symphony with only Marion getting shot in the arm as he dives to protect Millie. The police arrest Symphony and the group eventually gets the club reopened and things return to somewhat normal. Um, so first off, and I didn't write this down, but like, how ridiculous was that standoff where they're like all like, I have a knife, I have a knife. And then the piano player was like, I've got nothing. And they're like, let's rush her. <laughs> I did appreciate the whole like bringing a knife to a gunfight comment that she made. I thought that was on the nose and way to bring it into this as well. Um, yeah, that whole thing was like, it felt very... Um, <sighs> like slapstick comedy kind of like <laughs> like a skit you know where it's yeah. like everything kind of all happening at once and like that was the I don't want to say stressful because like I would say it was one of the more thrilling parts sure. of it the other one that I can think of is like when she had broken into um Minty's house and was like trying to get the diary or journal like that was a little stressful as well um but I felt like it was not out of place because it was the end it was but it was very like okay and this is the end yeah yeah and I, I will say um another thing that bothered me a little bit was they had that very cliche best friend jumping in the way of a bullet but oh not, my goodness. but not dying yeah. Um, right. Oh, I'd, he used to fight. <laughs> I'd love to know how many times that happens in real life where they just like, right? oh, ow, why? Why'd you shoot me? <laughs> you know, like, but it's okay. It's just a, just a tiny wound. It's Everything's just a wound. Fine. You can't wear sleeveless shirts anymore. Uh, oh, oh, too bad. We'll have to change your outfit. Yeah. Problem. So, um, anyway, um, did you pick Symphony as the murderer correctly? So or did you have an um, I did actually like in the in the very beginning um when like you had said Minty dies like really early on and when they're all standing around in the courtyard and like kind of it seemed as though the initial like Millie first thought that the her Minty's date had been the suspicious one it's but I was like it's probably one of those girls 
I just like had this big, I didn't know which one. So I want to say, no, I didn't know it was symphony, but like, as things were progressing, I was like, "Mm, it's probably going to be that scenario. They did throw me off or she did throw me off with Benny being the, um, the other, yeah. The the, the other potential. Yeah. Um, and like the whole art, thing and like drawings being involved I thought was an interesting thing um but I found it a little like you know as if like an artist can only draw in one style (laughs) seemed a little fakakta to me like yeah you I'm sure somebody with skill can like do different things it just was a little like overly much but I was a little surprised that Benny had been taking up with Minty because I don't want to say I didn't think that of him I will say as we discussed before the podcast recorded um almost all of the characters fell a tiny bit flat for me um so I don't want to pretend to know what a character would or wouldn't do but that was a surprise to me and I thought that was kind of nice to have a like, I guess I thought the character was one way and turns out he had this secret. Yeah, Benny definitely surprised me. Um, like, because of the way he went after Millie and like that was such yeah. a part of the story. But I guess, you know, their way of covering that is, you know, he Minty had called it off with him or whatever. So he was moving on to greener pastures or whatever. Um, I really wanted Benny to still be the killer. Like, I really wanted it to be like, she trusted you, and then she was wrong. Um, Yeah, ooh, that would have been nice, yeah. I didn't see it being Symphony, um, and I think that's just my own brain, maybe missing some things that were probably there. If you reread it, maybe you'd be like, okay. Like, she had a lot more dialogue with her that I probably used a little too much. Mm -hmm. uh, That maybe going back would have revealed a clue or two. Or, And I would say if it doesn't, I would really hope that it does like you know yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. Like that's the fun thing in mystery or murder mystery where it's kind of in your face but you don't know it was there it. and you just missed yeah. it like those clues yeah, yeah I think that's one of the hardest things to to do with this writing is to have that. um I also think and this is something that I read in somebody else's review on Goodreads so like I can't take credit for this statement but I think that it has some validity in that like um the fact that the murderer was so how do I want to phrase it? They had said like, oh, it, you know, the whole concept of the book is like to prove the innocence of this LGBT character. But then in the end, it was also an LGBT character that did the murder, which like, I feel like they were maybe putting a little bit heavier uh, weight on that being the sole thing like to me that it's neither here nor there what their sexuality is right. <laughs> it's whether or not the murder they murdered the murderer. person yeah <laughs> right. kind of a big deal <laughs> right I mean and the, I think that they were trying to claim that like for the minute that it like seemed like maybe it was the heterosexual guy but no he's fine I was like that's a little bit of a stretch to yeah. be like it's all about the LGBT, this, that, or the other thing, where it's like, no, it's about this person who loved somebody and felt spurned and did a terrible thing. Like, yeah. Which is, I think, doesn't really have a gay or straight 
necessity that it, it is what it is. Yeah. And I'll say, I definitely, I didn't even think about that. So you said it, like I, I didn't think of, of symphony that way at all. I just thought no. a spurned person who exactly getting back at her. And, and again, like it, it even happens as an accident, as she says, like, it's not like she pushed her right. to kill her. Right. It wasn't like a premeditated right. scenario. She was upset. And then it's, yeah, she didn't even like push her to kill her. She, you know, right. Right. Which I feel out. like made me feel a little sympathetic to her. <laughs> Um, well, in that, you know, she, it wasn't as though that was her goal. She was obviously like really distraught by the whole thing. Right. Um, but like, girl, <laughs> easy with your two-handed push. I mean, right. Yeah. Two-handed pushes are dangerous. Everyone knows that. Do not two-handed yes. your lover yes. time. or your friend. Um, <laughs> so getting into the more investigation of this as we see the, those 200 and 300 pages of Millie trying to figure out who done it. Um, how much did you think was believable about Millie's detective skills? Um, for example, for me, uh, the trust issues that she had with her mother and her upbringing and her leaving her for a man four and a half years ago uh, kind of led her to be less trusting of the detective Sabater or Sabatier, uh, depending on how you want Sabatier. Um, I would say I understand that the police at this time, and they even mention it, you're running a speakeasy and the police are corrupt. Uh, so she had a distrust of them, but it seemed like time and time again, that detective specifically was like giving, he was Here the two reasons way street. to trust me. He was definitely yeah. two way streeting her and she was not uh, giving it back. So with that in mind and kind of all the different antics that she got into, like how much do you believe this 18, 17, 18 year old girl is out there doing this really. Getting shit done. Yeah, and again, um, it's fiction and we get that, but part of it is reading this, you're like, I don't know. Believability needs to be there for sure. Um, so I like your point about the trust issues. I think that um, Sabatier uh, was definitely like giving her lots of reasons to trust him. I think that um, uh, I think that she has potential from a like investigation standpoint. I think that she had some like really good ideas, but I think that it was kind of twofold. So like some things seem to happen too cookie cutter easy for her. Like we were talking about before, you know, somebody suggested going to see that gossip columnist who was like an anonymous person. And then she found her like two pages mm. later. Yeah. That's an exaggeration. But no, like Marion was like, uh, oh, I thought I had her name right here. Uh, Kitty, Kitty Sharp. Kitty Marian was like, oh, everyone knows Kitty Sharp, but nobody knows Kitty Sharp. No. And like, so that was a confusing aspect to me where it's like, okay, that either should have been more difficult for her to find her, which like, I understand it's why you got to keep the plot moving. Can't have people like sitting around waiting for things to go on. Um, but that just seemed too simple. Um, and then other things seemed like too obviously gone wrong. Like, I don't know, that's not necessarily an accurate terminology, but like two things that I can think of her sneaking in to get the journal from Minty's house. Like, oh, it was a little like right to the feels when her dad like thought that it was, Minty. was, that was really, back. yeah, that was really sad. Um, 
I also, I also thought that it was a bit of a Disney movie where it was like, oh, he lost his daughter, but also her mother's dead. <laughs> yes. And this poor guy, that's the only person he had left. Um, but like that whole sneaking in, sneaking out again, like, of course she lost her beret. And of course, like, you know, Sabatier found it and used it as leverage. And like, it, just that whole scenario felt very, I don't know. I forgot about that too. A beret, like it's Dude. on your <laughs> Yeah. And she's like, like, oh, I don't know where I lost it. Why yeah. did you bring it? Why were you wearing it? <laughs> I, know. I know you just came like a face to break into this house. But... Oh my God, I forgot about that. That's funny. Yeah. Um, but I think like her, um, her trust issues, like because of her mom, I felt like that whole aspect was a little not forced because it makes sense. Like you had said that she would distrust the police. She lives in a speakeasy basically. So like, of course she's going to be cautious. Um, but I, I was a little su- pleasantly surprised by how Sabatier like knew what game her mom was playing and yeah. played it better. Oh, I've seen that before. Oh, I, yeah, I liked that. I didn't expect it because I was like, oh yeah, probably like this lady's gonna like play Vixen. <laughs> you were like, like, well, he's a man, so. He, he basically, <laughs> yes. No, but I appreciated that um, he was a character that had, um, you know, you like detective like Miss Fisher style or like detective shows where like the cop is generally like either really clever and totally in on whatever or like totally just like a dude bro who doesn't know left from right or whatever and I appreciated that he was like well you had the two of them and like obviously one was more dude bro-y than the other but like um I don't know I guess that was a little bit of an aside but I think that some things were like way too easy and some things were like followed a pretty obvious line of like shit goes wrong shit gets better shit goes wrong shit gets better yeah yeah, yeah for, for me it was um I really just wanted her to work together with Sabater the whole time I was mm-hmm. like oh, what are you doing like even when they went to like the 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 soda shop right and I'm like he's yeah. giving you something and and you're not and uh you know the whole just everything, it seemed to be like, we could have wrapped this up so much quicker. And I get sure we're really punching in those trust issues. And obviously she's trying to stay, you know, faithful to Marion and keep them hidden. And obviously that's adding stress as well. But it was like, I feel like, but, and I feel like we could have solved this together so much quicker guys. Like Totally, especially because I feel like he kept um, meeting her on the level. Like he kept Yes. I feel like offering up, like you had said, ways for her to trust him. Um, And she didn't take them, which I think is like more to do with her just being a teenager when you think you know everything and like. But also, I will say as a teenager, I would not think that I could solve a murder case. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, fair point, neither. I'm sorry, but I love you to death. Whoever I know that committed murder but didn't, I don't think I'm going to get you up though. Not as a teenager, no. I mean, like, I don't know if I could even do it now. But I'd make a better effort than as a teenager. Yeah, you could make make more phone calls. We have our own. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I'm fine at making phone calls now. As a teenager, no. You want me to order pizza? No, I can't talk to pizza people. Um, 
but yeah, I, uh, I think that the overall like investigation aspect was not terrible, but also overly compelling. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I liked it. I enjoyed some of the leaps she was able to make on her own. Sure. She was able to make, but yeah, at the same time, I, I tried she, to put myself in that position. I was like, there's no way I would be doing this. Like, well, and that's, I think the thing is like, she was taking all of these like pretty drastic risks, like dressing up basically in drag to be a waiter at that fancy pants place. Like, and then of course she gets caught. Like, what are you doing? Just standing there. Like if you're, I don't know. There were just like things where I was like, you are not pulling this off well, Millie, which I suppose is realistic because you're 18. So. Um, So kind of on that topic, as we pointed out a few of them throughout their investigation with quotes uh, (laughs) process conducted by Millie and friends, um, we've seen a lot of half-baked ideas and schemes attempted to help Marion and help the case. Um, I was wondering if looking back in your past, if there was anything that you remember specifically as like an idea that you thought was really going to work out one way or like you and your friends came together with this plot. They were like, we're going to do this and it's going to be great. And then it didn't work out. And the reason I asked this is it's, it's, it's one of those things that comes with age. Like I watch the nieces and nephews now talk about the games they're going to play or talk about, you know, the things that they're doing or, you know, like, I don't know. It's just interesting watching these kids talk and they're, you know, young teenagers or a little bit younger and they're like, Oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. It's going to be super cool. And like, we're the coolest ever. And And I'm like, dude, I was never like that. And then I look back on things and I'm like, Oh my God, I was just like that. Like I thought I had so many great plans and all these different things that like, are you talking like future plans as a kid or like plans for like, like, tomorrow I'm going to do this I'm talking about like you know even just like a plan to like get a cookie from mom when she wasn't looking like (gasps) uh oh my god yes this this I'll do you got one no I I mean I have one but you okay please feel free for me unfortunately as I just described that with teenagers or younger mine will be when I was seven 16 years old um and I remember uh our, my buddy Roy was in videography and he was making a video because uh, he drove a Jeep and I drove a Nissan Altima. And it was like, you know, it was a big thing, you know, 10, 12 years ago where it was like, don't trust a regular car for a, you know, you need a Jeep for that or it's a Jeep thing or something. I don't know. Oh, it is a Jeep thing. So we went to this like mud pit and he looked down into the mud pit and he was like, my car, my Jeep will not work, will not go through that. And I was like, bitch. My Nissan Altima will. Oh no! So there's I a great. I see where this is going. There's a great clip of me climbing out of the sunroof of my Nissan Altima because it is stuck in this mud pit, and you just hear Roy's voice over the camera going, "That's a Jeep thing." <laughs> oh, did you sell that to Jeep as a Jeep commercial? We, because I feel like you should have. We should have. Uh, it was a nightmare scenario. We couldn't get it out. Uh, Jay, I was going to say, is it out? Because that seems to me like lost in space, like their little rover gone. thing in the tar pit. Yeah, it's just gone. gone. Uh, oh my god no jay had to go get his dad and they had to bring four wheelers to chain it up and pull it out and uh it was it didn't work it was 
you know, one of the, and that's not even like a great plan. It was just me being like, I'm going to show him and I'm going to whip through this sand pit. And you like oh, super didn't. Now I'm not. Now I'm, now I'm climbing out of this car through the sun. Don't you wish you had a Jeep? I don't think it would have helped. <laughs> yeah, probably not. A Jeep owner might tell you otherwise, but they might be wrong. Obviously. I don't um, know. What do you got? Okay. So. I don't really, this is, your story was better, but my story is kind of weird. So um, my friend Emily, who I've mentioned before, um, when we were kids, thought we were like totally sneaky. Um, around Christmas time, we were like, okay, we're going to find where our parents hid in our Christmas presents and like get a sneak peek. And for some reason, and I think it was because we had just watched some movie with Sinbad in it. So we called them. Jingle all the like, way! I mean, maybe, I don't even know what it was, but for some reason we had like a code word for when we looked for Christmas presents and they were called Sinbads. (laughs) (laughs) We would like go sneaking around, not sneaking around the house, but we would like be looking for Sinbads and we would talk about it and think we were so sneaky. I can't say that I remember actually finding any. And if I did, I can't remember how great they were you know what I mean like if it was if we actually found any but it was always fun to try to find Sinbads I mean the fact that you call them Sinbads I mean you've got to bring that back that's got to be a thing really in weird. Early life. I we're, mean we're doing Sinbads today <laughs> and instead of giving each other Christmas presents we just like hide them and you have to look for them it's like a treasure hunt for presents with no clues there are no clues you just look you should get action figures of sinbad i'm sure yes and hide them and that becomes the christmas like like uh lauren with her pickles right yes find the pickle in the christmas tree you've got to find the sinbad in the house in the house yeah and then when you find the sinbad you get the present all right this is trademarked all right, I'll find a shelf in that in the room. Like, come on. Yeah. I'm sure uh, this uses likeness, not a big deal. So I think the the way that that didn't go well is because I can't actually remember finding any hidden presents. I mean, it that honestly, my cheeks hurt from smiling just from <laughs> called them Sinbads. That's so. Cool. I don't. I mean, I I want to say it was because we had just watched some movie with him in it, but I don't. I'm. I gotta get Emily on the phone and ask her because she'll remember. Gotta be Jingle all the way, I'm telling you. Uh, <laughs> I'll let you know if you're right, if I ever talk to her about it. It's gotta be right. Uh, him and Arnold, obviously, Jingle all the way. Um, so, <laughs> Is your face uh, okay? It hurts, it hurts. Uh, so we've touched on it a few times. You've brought it up. I've never watched this show, but um, the thing that really led us to this book was that you, uh, I, th- I believe, saw it online. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of references to Miss Fisher's Murder Mystery, which is a show that you love, as you brought up numerous times. It's on Acorn. Um, and yes. we've kind of touched on it a few different ways, but this is your moment to really talk about like how that comparison held up for you. Um, <sighs> yeah, um, not super great. I will say um, the comparison did not hold up that well. And I think, um, sort of like we were touching on before we started recording, it has, um, I think most to do with the fact that Miss Fisher's, and like I said before, it was a book series before it was a show. So like, it's a very adult series and a very adult show. Um, and I think that that's the biggest difference. Um, I think that Millie has potential, 
Um, hopefully she's not going to, like I said before, be around a whole bunch of murders. Cause like that just got to bring you down. But like Miss Fisher, the thing that I think sets her apart. And even in, like I was saying, there's that other show that's like the modern one in the sixties where it's her yeah. niece. that is the miss fisher um but both of them are very um and franny who is the 20s miss fisher um she is a very like headstrong badass woman i mean she's not like going and actually kicking people's butts but like she's very clever um she's very self-assured she's very open-minded um so i think like the environment that millie is in absolutely lends itself to like if she rose up to be a Miss Fisher I wouldn't be surprised but I think like like I said the the main difference for me was um the YA aspect because this book was very YA um for a bunch of reasons but like the Miss Fisher's books and show are a heavier topic sort of better um more adult better and I don't want to say better investigation because I feel like that's not really fair um but just like done differently um and I will say I I was looking for that kind of uh recommendation before we started and the one on the back of the book maybe is more accurate but neither of us have experience with this where they kind of pointed more towards Veronica Mars which does seem a little bit younger uh without having watched it like yeah Veronica is a teenager, like I thought. I think, or close to it. Like I remember, I I know it's uh, early twenties. Kristen Bell's was like breakout role, and then went back to it years later. So I, I think that would fit with it being more that younger um, investigator. So maybe that's a better reference that we just didn't get. But I will say that I, I had no experience with Miss Fisher. I experienced it through you and Angie. Shout out, Angie. so that's that's limited and i did not feel any of that towards this but i had i had no reference point either so that is um fun. i think you can also i mean you used to be able to watch miss fishers on netflix i don't know if it's still on there nice just getting more viewership just get more viewers getting everybody more. should watch it it's really good um, um go ahead i was just gonna say was there anything else you wanted to cover in spoilers before we jumped out of here um Let's see. Oh, well, I don't know that this counts so much as a spoiler, but I think that um, I we were talking a little bit before about like the LGBTQ plus like representation and that being important, especially in like a YA book. And I think that um, a positive and a negative for me in terms of Millie, like the positive was that she I think was nicely represented as like somebody who's still figuring herself out. Like, do I have feelings for Olive or do I have feelings for Benny? And like trying to just like suss that out on her own, I thought was also nice to have a representation of, you know, it wasn't just like um, a cut and dry, I guess. I mean, it was that we were talking about before. It's not really a love triangle so much as a love angle yeah 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 angle um but I also feel like um that's sort of something that felt aggressively YA to me too not that she was like trying to figure herself out but that like some of that love angle felt 
for like I, it wasn't necessarily always believable chemistry wise and I think for me like I love romantic chemistry in anything that I'm taking in like that entertainment wise um but that was something that fell a little bit flat and I think you had said something before we started recording maybe about um how it felt a little bit like she was using both of them in certain aspects and I think that that's really a valid point that like the the feelings are we sure that they were real or was it like how can these people be helpful to me yeah it was kind of like um I need to pretend to be a waiter at this fancy hotel in order to get close to the rich kids so I can interview him. Oh, Benny has a connection through his friend. So I'm going to kind of get with Benny for that. And then, oh, there's this place. There's another speakeasy that they used to go to that I know Olive goes to. Um, so I'm going to try to get with Olive to see if we can go to that. And like definitely with the Olive one, uh, you could see that Olive definitely felt it was more of a date and, and, and it seemed like more, really, of, didn't really, it was yeah. more of like, okay, yes, I'm kind of doing this as a date thing, but it's really about the investigation. That I will say like was the one moment though, where I felt, um, a little more of a spark of chemistry sure. was when they were at that other species. Yeah. Um, but I agree that like, she, she, I feel like was downplaying her feelings like on purpose, which felt like disingenuous. Yeah. And I will say, going back to your point that it felt very YA, like, I think we kind of felt this with shadow and bone too, Yeah. um, where it was kind of like, and and I don't know, we are, YA is such a broad scope, right? Yeah. You want people our age to read it, but it's also people 20 years younger than us. So you so how do you find that happy medium exactly yeah. and i feel like us being more uh experienced we're looking at it being like come on right like, you know the right. 15 year old kid picking this up maybe like oh like i'm dying yeah no totally. that, you know totally. again kind of similar to what you talked about earlier with like the plot like you have to move the plot along and why why yeah. like, i feel like you kind of have to do that with the romance too yes like, okay it's there here's little snippets right right and I think too that you I don't remember if we were recording when you said this but like in terms of like writing romance I think she definitely did a better it was more believable for me with Marion and Lewis yes the pianist, the pianist. Yeah. um and I think that I think that that was maybe due to the subtlety of it rather than like if the protagonist is the person that's in this love triangle or whatever or the romantic situation of course you're gonna have to angle gonna have to call more attention to it but I think like the Marion and Lewis stuff like she only mentioned like little looks or gestures or whatever and that felt so much more realistic to me yeah, she just had to add slight descriptions, like sentences yeah. there to their kind of uh, connection or their experience together. And it definitely made it feel more real um, from that point of view, at least. Um, so I wonder if that was partially because like, you know, we're experiencing things through, but like Millie is the one witnessing those things. Whereas like that, it takes on a different aspect when like, it's not, you know, the, the angle, the love angle is Marion, or excuse me, is Millie dealing with her own stuff. Whereas like, she can just see Marion and Lewis, like 
you yeah. get what, that, I get what you're saying. Very cumbersome to say it's that. all about perspective. Like we're yeah. seeing that from the outside. So maybe we're seeing stuff also that they're not seeing, which I'm sure would be happening to Millie too. It's just, I don't know. It's just, uh, it was, it was just interesting, I guess. Like, yeah, you, you have the romance in there. So you want to make it feel, you want to feel it. And I feel yeah. like at times it didn't feel that way. Right. Right. And I think like part of that has to do with the YA aspect and part of it has to do with maybe because like this is her debut novel but I felt like she could have done possibly more with the character development like I was saying before everybody felt a little flat to me yeah. like it was almost like um kind of jumping into something that had already been going on like you know she tried to and I think she did an okay job like expressing the abandonment issues that Millie had with her mom and like all of those issues. But I felt like she was trying to make it so heavy, but I didn't really, it didn't feel heavy because we didn't know enough about, you know, right. Like nothing was really fleshed out there. Yeah, I get it. It was tough. Um, (laughs) I think that's kind of what we're both experiencing um, here when trying to go through it. Uh, Is there anything else you wanted to discuss in spoilers before we jump out? No, I don't think so. Okay, so we're going to move out of spoilers. Here's the five seconds of us moving out of spoilers. Moving out of spoilers. Moving out of spoilers. Maybe we can get a song for that. Uh, I mean, you just made it right there. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, but, you know, semi-professional. A real song. On an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so coming out of spoilers, uh, second week that we're attempting this uh, scoring if you don't remember our scoring, uh, we are doing this based off of Dungeons and Dragons, off of a check. Uh, so we're giving it a roll and then giving it an ability check, which could give it a, a plus or minus depending. Or a skill, a skill or an ability skill. check. Yeah. Sorry, yes. Uh, so I will go first on this one. Um, I don't know if you guys could tell with this episode, but we collectively, we talked about it before, kind of struggled a little bit with this book, with how we were going to talk about it, stuff like that. It was an okay book. And that's. I think neither of us were excited about it. Yeah, I I wouldn't. Like, I think you can feel the difference in the episode for, uh, and it's not just the time we took off. That's an unfortunate (laughs) coincidence, but like with Project Hail Mary compared to this, it felt like we focused more on the book of Project Hail Mary, where here we were talking more about our experience. Ourselves. (laughs) Together to the book with Mm -hmm. maybe loose threads. Um, So with that being said, I gave this book a nine uh, on the roll and I've knocked down my check i'm gonna give it a plus one for investigation uh which rounds it out to a solid 10. i i think it's still a book that people should read and and they would enjoy uh but it definitely isn't going to be the top of my recommendations and and i don't think that's just because it's ya like um or the voices involved in it like there's plenty of books that i've read that i hand out readily whether it's ya or even younger um that i think people will enjoy and for me this one just missed a couple marks uh for me but i i still liked it i didn't you know it wasn't a chore to pick up uh i still picked it up but it was easy to put down too if that makes sense so yeah definitely so for me it's a it's a 10 overall so um yeah i mean obviously i felt similarly um i had said to russell um i think early on in one of our other podcasts about how i have multiple books going at a time usually and sometimes i'll have a bathroom book which is 
the book I read when I'm in the bathroom, um, which means that I'm generally not as invested in it um, as I am in the book that I'm like, I will sit and read for hours on the couch. Um, and I think this is like a really great bathroom book because like he said, it's not one that I was like, oh, I can't. I did not feel that at all. I enjoyed reading it, but I wasn't excited to pick it up. I wasn't having to put it down, but I didn't have a problem putting it down, like he said. Um, so I give it an 11 with a negative one for performance, so a 10 um, as well. I think that um, the book gets a solid 11 on my role because of partially because of the representation and the fact that it's YA with all that representation, I think is great. Um, and I think conceptually it's fairly strong. I just think performance wise, it fell a little flat for me um, with the investigation and the character development. I mean, like I, well, partially because sometimes I read like a multiple book series kind of situation where you get pretty heavily invested in your characters. And I feel like there wasn't a chance for me to do that in these books. I mean, if you want to compare it to Project Hail Mary, I got invested in those characters like, whoa. You, and, up, you would have re-listened to it immediately after finishing it. Which right, is which is like um, unheard of. And like, I never felt like this with like that with this book yeah. um like he said i i wouldn't necessarily say like no nobody should read this because that's not true but it definitely wasn't one like angie for example is my miss fisher fan friend um but i don't know that she would find this appealing yeah. like at all yeah i, I mean I, she's totally like into the whole lgbtq whatever that's not that's not like the that, reason. It's I the, feel like that recommendation was a little bit misleading. Where yeah. for me, it didn't matter as much. But in our conversation about it throughout and before we started recording, like I could tell, like that might have hampered your um, experience with the book. I think it set me up for improper expectations. Sure. Because I had, I mean, and I think that the reason that they compared it to that as such was the the time period. Yeah. Which makes sense to me. That's right. like kind of the own that's like the that's it place where <laughs> and it's a murder comparison ends. yeah 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 and I feel like that's not the only reason that I'm into Miss Fisher so it it's not really an accurate comparison um but in terms of like if I knew a kiddo who needed to hear an uplifting story about somebody who is bisexual or something like this would be a book that would be good to read but like I don't I'm it's not something that's like empowering enough to be like hey everybody should check this out no, it's not a you need to read this yeah no. and 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 that's a tough thing with doing this that we're experiencing in episode five is a lot of yeah. these books that we're jumping into they're not books I mean the, the first few were books we read beforehand yeah. right yeah and now we're getting into books that we've found one way or another that we're legitimately book loving so we're yeah. not gonna like every book um and 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 i think that for the 11 listeners we have up to 19 mm -hmm. not a brag um hey if if we were telling you oh go read this lo you'll love it like uh sully came to the beach with us when i was reading this and he's like oh let me read it i'm like you don't 
this is you won't be like i'll be honest and it's nothing to do with him he reads historical fiction or sorry <laughs> non-fiction oh okay. yeah so it definitely wasn't up his alley but i was like it's just it's not a, a thing so it was a little bit difficult on this podcast you yeah. know, hope you enjoyed the stories about Thanks us. Thanks for sticking with us. <laughs> uh, but we're going to close it out now. Um, so the other thing that's been happening with this month off is we've been able to read other books because we're not reading the next book in the, uh, in the podcast. Okay. Reading the next book you have to read. So with that current selection, uh, I'll let you go first because it's... Uh, I am reading the third of that Robin Hobb series, um, the Farseer trilogy. Um, I'm about, oh gosh, pretty far through, like more than three quarters. Yeah. I have just a little bit left. I'm very excited. Um, Russell, let me borrow his copies, which are illustrated editions. And GD, they are beautiful. Like I, I had this habit of when I would start a new book, I would look through and find all the illustrations first. Nice. Which was perhaps a mistake on this third one because like surprise things, but I just made me really excited to get there. So I'm um, not going to spoil that for people who want to read those, but I would definitely recommend it. First year trilogy, Robin Hobb. Um, like you said, female author, like I wouldn't, I guess representation, whatever. Anyway, she's great. I think she does a great job. Um, I'm excited to finish it and read the next trilogy. trilogy yeah. Um, as well. It's funny because we're swapping trilogies um, because I'm reading <laughs> um, the Sabriel trip trilogy, which I got from Taja. So I'm also on the third book, Borson. Borson? Uh, uh, try to make words I can pronounce, okay? Uh, I'm right. about a third of the way through uh, of it. Have been really enjoying this. This was like a different take on fantasy where they deal more with characters that actually travel into death uh, and, and they control the spirits of death, whether trying to bring them out of death or sending them to their final death. So uh, they, they do this with bells and different sounds and they have magic and all this stuff. So it's been really exciting. Um, that is by Garth Nix, who is somebody that Taj has brought up a couple times on this show. So uh, that's been a really nice thing with this little break. Sorry, I did it to you. I'm to blame. Feel free to yell at me <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, uh, but it's been nice to to kind of get through a trilogy without having to take a break to read whatever's next the podcast um, book, yeah. for, our, for our podcast. So, and I will finish this before I jump into our next book. But yeah. I'm actually really glad that it worked out this way because these, um, the Farseer trilogy is really big. Like this third book is like 800 pages. The second one was like 600 something. Yeah. The, the work. So, like I've been trucking. The work you've been putting in compared to the work I've been putting in is impressive. <laughs> you were on you were on vacation and you had a wedding. I that, did not. That's true. I have people that don't appreciate reading enough. Um, yeah. So with that, we're going to jump into our random recommendation. It is Taja's turn. Uh, so what do you got for a random and recommendation? Random recommendation for our listeners. So literally anything by David Sedaris, but I've got naked here. Um, David Sedaris is a hilarious author. Um, basically all of his books are a collection of essays, which I know sounds like pretty lame, but it's not at all lame. Um, he is so funny and so like poignant feels like a really hoity-toity word to use but like um it's like laugh out loud stuff but in like a deep way I feel like that's I don't know he just like 
Yeah, it's great. I mean, all of his books, like I said, are a collection of essays. So it's like really nice and digestible. You know, it doesn't follow like a plot. So you could like perfect bathroom books. There you actually. go. Yep. Yes. Um, so you uh, can pick up any of those. There are so many and they have hilarious titles too. I wish that this book showed some of the other titles. Um, anyway. What was the name again? The author's name? Author's name is David Sedaris. You know, Amy Sedaris is his sister. So the actress. Yep. Yeah. So, okay. and he talks about her in some of the essays. He's just like really amazing. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, so that's our random and rec- random, I can't say that word, random recommendation of the bi-weekly podcast. Um, <laughs> what's on uh deck for the next podcast if you wanted to get this book i don't know where you would find it i don't either uh the next podcast we're going to be covering gork the teenage dragon uh by gabe hudson and just a little fun story about this for project Mm -hmm. hail mary we were together uh at taja and barry's house uh for the first time in forever and we went went to a bookstore together the next day and uh we're just kind of going about through our own thing it was our first experience together at a bookstore and I saw this book called Gork the Teenage Dragon. And I read the cover. I read the, the whatever, the sleeve. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, oh, man, Taja would probably love this book. It, it seems like it's a comedy. That's kind of her thing. Like, I'm not as much of a comedy reader, mm-hmm. even in fiction. And I was like, oh, I should tell her. And I was like, okay, well, and I put it back. And then we ran into each other a couple of minutes later. And they had two copies of Gork the Teenage Dragon. I already had Gork in my hands and and he was like, oh, I just put that back on the shelf. And she already had the second copy. So uh, it seemed fit to be. Lo and behold, yeah, fated. It was fated to be a podcast book. Never heard of the author, never heard of the book, but Gork is giving a sweet freaking like hand signal there. I just noticed that. Does that count as positive vibes from a dragon? That's definitely dragon positive vibes for sure. Uh, so that we'll be jumping into that and we'll be covering that, uh, next time. Hopefully we'll get to that in two weeks. So is that going to be on a regular That time? is when we're gone. I'm going to try to figure out how to record while we're gone. Cause we don't have internet. So yeah, if we do it, we do it. If not, we'll pick it up shortly thereafter. Okay. Sounds good. It won't be four weeks. We promise. No, It might be three. We promise. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that is the ABC podcast episode five. Keep reading. Thanks for listening.